Good morning, Faith Fellowship. It's good to uh, see you. This morning, we're going to be looking at the benefits of biblical accountability. And one of the things in terms of accountability that we want to look at, remember, we've been talking about these nine principles, right? And it says we're accountable to the Word of God. Okay, that's, yep, that's absolutely true for the church, <laughs> right? And how the leadership is going to operate and what we're going to do. And also something that we're going to encourage you to do. But the one thing I, I want you to, to kind of just consider is, is what are your thoughts uh, concerning accountability? A lot of times accountability is a weird word at church. And uh, it can make you, uh, you know, put you off a bit. And so I just wanted to start with accountability as defined by Webster says the obligation or willingness to accept responsibility for one's actions, okay? And so that, that's an interesting definition when we just consider this obligation or willingness to accept responsibility for your actions. So now you understand why our church position as a principle is we're gonna be accountable to the word of God because now the standard will be the word of God, right? And then how it is that you obey that. Biblically, let's see if that definition by Webster also matches up here. In Ecclesiastes 11.9, it says, Rejoice, O young man, in thy youth, and let thy heart cheer thee in the days of thy youth, and walk in the ways of thine heart, and in the sight of thine eyes. But know thou that for all these things God will bring thee into judgment. Well, that's a, <laughs> at first, there's a lot of kicking it at the beginning of that verse, right? And at the end, you're like, oh, wait a minute. Hold on. Time out. <laughs> I'm going to have to answer for this, what my life was like, okay? And so I wanted to tell you something I found kind of interesting. Since the 1800s, the use of the word accountability has increased. And if you think about it, you may not have heard that a lot, but you've seen its effect on society. Essentially, this would be like the Me Too movement, the uh, uh, Black Lives Matter movement, a lot of just trying to change the culture of things at work, all of that, right? And like some of those things aren't inherently evil. Like their, their goal is to try to deal with some of these cultural ugliness that was just kind of existing under the cover of that. And so now it is that we're, as a society, just trying to hold those in authority accountable. But the thing is, it doesn't solve one of the problems that's the biggest part of that, the heart. Like you can make all these rule changes, you can say this is what needs to happen, we're trying to change our culture at work and all that, but just because you're forcing people into a, a thought process doesn't mean their heart is any more for me than it was previously, right? It's just the culture now at work it just says that, well, we're just not gonna let these things exist. And then its fallout has turned into cancel culture, right? I think society has enjoyed this kind of position of power. Man, Twitter, you can destroy a business with one tweet. And so now, like, there's this thing that's, that's kind of, we say that we're okay with. We don't always like cancel culture if cancel culture is going to try to cancel you. And then at church, we kind of like, eh, stay out of my business. And so what I want to propose to you today is this. There's a benefit to being accountable to the word of God. 
And so we just need to see that biblically. And so where we're going to find that is we're going to look at Saul and King Saul and actually a little bit just how he got to this point. And then we'll look at in chapter 15, which some of you know, kind of an important change in direction in terms of his kingship. And so let's get some context. Just some of the things I want you to know, just kind of if you want to jot these down in 1 Samuel 9, Saul is of the tribe of Benjamin. He's physically blessed. It's one of those things that you kind of see mentioned in um, verse 2. is talking about that he's goodly. This was the same thing that was said of Moses uh, also as a child, and just that he's also tall. Okay, so if the Bible is taking the time to point out physical attributes of individual, it is something of note, okay, that you should just make note of. We'll kind of revisit that a little bit later on. There's a meeting point of which Saul meets with Samuel because Saul's father's uh, donkeys had fled and now they were lost. And so Saul and his servant had went out to go try to find his dad's property, right, and to see what was going on. Well, Saul's servant says to him, hey, we should go because they didn't you know, have any luck uh, doing that. And so they're like, hey, we should go talk to the man of God locally, which would be Samuel. Uh, about what we should do next. I mean, we're kind of at our end. We don't, I mean, we've been looking. We haven't found anything. Let's go do that. And so Saul agrees that that would be a good idea. And uh, now, what you may not have known just from jumping in right here is that God previously had told Samuel a Benjamite would come to him and that for Samuel to anoint him as captain over his people to defeat the Philistines. Okay? And so when he sees Saul... There is kind of an expectation already that, oh, here he is. Let's do this, right? And so there's this kind of sweet moment. And actually, since you turn there, actually flip back. I just want to show you something. Just because we often think of Saul negatively. <laughs> Rightly so. He made that <laughs> for his own life, right? The testimony of his life. But you have to read this whole life and look at, you know, just some of the things that that he said or, or did. And in verse 21 of chapter 9, this is Saul saying after this, man, he's hearing all of this stuff for the first time. Again, he's just going out to get my dad's donkeys. I don't know anything about being king. I don't, you know, nobody ever said, <laughs> I don't, I, this is all news to me, right? I'm clueless. Notice what he says here, verse 21. And Saul answered and said, Am not I a Benjamite of the smallest of the tribes of Israel? And my family the least of all the families of the tribe of Benjamin? Wherefore then speakest thou so to me? And Samuel took Saul and his servant and brought them into the parlor and made them sit in the chiefest place among them that were bidden, which were about 30 persons. So now, like, all, this, is, this is news to him. And I love that he's like, man, I, you know. I'm from a small people, even though he's tall and handsome. <laughs> but he's like, you know, at this point, he's not even really thinking about his physical attributes at all. He's just simply saying, man, who am I that I should have this great opportunity, right? And, um, and so then you kind of see, if we skip on down to 27, just because, man, we got a, <laughs> a lot of space to kind of cover. So we're going we're gonna, to uh, jump in jacks through this. <laughs> uh, verse 27 says, and as they were going down to the city of the end of the city, Samuel said to Saul, bid the servant pass on before us. And he passed on. So now he's telling his servant, hey, tell your servant to, to continue on. I want to talk to you, 
right? But stand thou still a while that I may show thee the word of God. And so now the other thing that I wanted you to understand about Saul's anointment and then ultimately kingship and then how he handled that kingship is it was from God's word. Now, this wouldn't be his written word. This would be the voice of God. But you understand how we can make that same connection that how we see God's word today, right? As his word from him, okay? And so you see the importance here is not Samuel anointing him. This is something that he is in lockstep with the Lord himself to do this to Saul. Make sense? Okay, next chapter. So then essentially what you see, just in terms of context, the verse one, then Samuel took a vial of oil, poured it upon his head, kissed him and said, it is not because the Lord hath anointed thee to be captain over, uh, excuse me, let me say that differently. Let me reread it. Then Samuel took a vial of oil and poured it upon his head and kissed him and said, is it not because the Lord hath anointed thee to be captain over his inheritance? I think it's also important to note that this says his inheritance. Okay, it's important when you see God make claims for his people. This is good for us as leaders coming up to always understand the people that we minister to are God's people. And so if the Lord is appointing him as such, then you have to understand that Saul is not setting uh, or God is not setting Saul up one for failure two to to make a fool of him or some evil device against Israel. He loves Israel. So he's giving them what they want, and now you're going to see something really incredible. So now what you get, kind of a small detail as we jumping jacks through this, in verse 2, oh, the, the issue about the donkeys gets resolved. You know, it's like one of those things in the story, you're like, we're talking about kings. And the Lord's like, no, we're still going to deal with the donkeys because that's your dad's property. We're going to make sure you get that. I love that. It's a small detail, but that's just how the Lord is. Okay, so what you kind of see there, I'll just kind of summarize it for you between verses two and uh, um, uh, three, four and five is Saul will meet with two men in Zilzah and they will have those donkeys. Then he's going to meet three men in the plain of Tabor that will have loaves of bread and wine, but he is only going to receive of them two loaves of bread. Then he's going to meet a company of prophets at the garrison of the Philistines. And then they're going to prophesy, and then he's going to join them in that process, okay? And so, again, all we're doing is just giving context to what is happening, how does Saul get to this spot, right? Okay, now critical, verse 6. And the Spirit of the Lord will come upon thee. So after all of these things, he gained all of these things, right? He's getting this. Now just listen to me what it, what it says here. And the Spirit of the Lord will come upon thee. And thou shalt prophesy with them and shall be turned into another man. Now, this is important because for those of us New Testament that know our Bible, you understand that you are a new man in Christ. And I just think it's funny right here that you kind of get, get, basically get a foreshadowing of that whole concept that is in the New Testament right here. OK, this is important. So, again, I want you to think about Saul in God's best foot forward is with Saul. He has given him his spirit, has he not? He told Samuel what to do. Samuel has been obedient. He's gone forth and like it's happening. Okay, gradual steps here. And then it says in verse seven, and let it be when these signs are come unto thee that thou do as occasion serve thee. 
something else super critical, for God is with thee, okay? So we're just, we're just getting some context, laying a little groundwork, okay? Still, just stick with me. Okay, verse 8, And thou shalt go down before me to Gilgah, and behold, I will come down unto thee to offer burnt offerings and to sacrifice sacrifices of peace offerings. Seven days shalt thou tarry till I come to thee and show thee what thou shalt do. And it was so that when he had turned his back to go from Samuel, God gave him another heart, guys. He has changed this man. He has given, he has anointed, no, he has anointed this man with oil. He's given him his spirit. He's changed him and he's given him a new heart. Is not God with him in a way that says this is best foot forward for Israel? Now, you guys that have read 1 Samuel, read verse 8 or read chapter 8, and you know the warning that God gave because he's like, God has taken offense that they wanted a king. He's like, I'm your king. I'm the one that got you out of Egypt. But you want a king? Okay. So you could almost think now he's going to try to set somebody up. Well, see, this guy's awful. No. I wanted you to see that God is with this guy. He is for him, right? This is, this is actually quite beautiful. And so, just in short, just to kind of shorten a larger section here, uh, between 17 and 25, you see this address that, Israel, uh, that uh, Samuel does to Israel. So after there's more instruction, he tells him, obviously, you know, Saul, hey, go meet me here, da 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 all of that. Now, he has called all of Israel, Samuel has, together in order to inform them, hey, this is what's going down, Okay. And essentially, what happens between verses 17 to 25 is Samuel reminds them that God was your deliverer and that you rejected his leading. You desired a king. And so here is your king. Saul then hides himself, himself among the stuff. This big guy, big, handsome guy. He's taller than everybody. You can't miss him kind of guy. But he's hiding with the stuff. This is, again, just a show of his humility. Now, where conceptually, what you're looking at is like he's not just standing up and saying, hey, I'm here. Everybody, hey, Samuel, I got it. Thank you. Be quiet. Let me address the. No, he's not there yet. Now, he, there's some attitude change that will happen throughout his kingship. But at this point, not right now. Humility. Man, I, then it says. Something really interesting made me think of Jesus even, guys, towards the end here. Go all the way down to verse 26. And it says, And Saul also went home to Gabeah, and there went with him a band of men whose hearts God had touched. But the children of Belial said, How shall this man save us? And they despised him and brought no presents, but he held his peace. It's like, you know, here now, this God is establishing this man, and here these individuals are that are saying, you know, he's gone home and he's got rejection there. Right. OK, so here are the things you need to know. I want you to write down shorthanded for yourself. So up to this point, what God has shown us, we want to always start with the king. What God has shown us is his faithfulness to his process. OK. Saul was chosen. Instruction was given. Obedience was expected. Okay, on the part now, if Samuel drops the ball, is there a problem right there? Just say out loud, yes or no. Yes, 
If Samuel doesn't do what he's supposed to do and anoint this man, it would be a problem. That would be an offense to God, right? Okay. So, and then there are instructions for specifically for Saul to do, to go meet these individuals. He has to do that, right? So there's an expectation of obedience. Okay, then also, shorthand, the spirit was on him, and this changed him and his heart. Okay? Now, I'm just, I just shorthanded what we've seen in Scripture up to this point. Okay? The key man of God, being Samuel, shows us his obedience to God. Listen, leaders, listen. Shows us his obedience to God by telling Saul all that he needs to know in order to see for himself that God is with him. Okay? That is critical to leadership. Listen, and you know the different areas of leadership that we have represented in this room, whether it's of myself as fellowship leader, Pastor James as, as a past, one of our pastors here at the church, but then we have Bible study leaders, we have disciplers, we have parents. Listen to me. If you fall into one of those categories, you are an uncle, you are an aunt, you are a big cousin, Okay, I'm just grandma. You have some authority. Listen to me again. This is what the key man of God, if you have called on the name of Jesus Christ, okay, and you have received him as savior. So now you are a key individual in the lives of other individuals below you. Yes. The key man of God shows us his obedience to God by telling Saul all that he needs to know in order to see for himself that God is with him. So just as a question on the floor in your mind, you don't have to answer it right now, is this, are you doing that? Is that how you lead? Or do you lead in such a way that you are the person that they have to obey? Okay. The next one, Saul. So we got God shows us, the key man Samuel shows us, Saul shows us his humility and obedience. And so our first benefit of biblical accountability is this. Accountability to God's word will reveal God's presence and leading. Accountability to God's word will reveal God's presence and leading. If these individuals drop the ball, nobody sees that. Why is that? Because God's glory is what's at stake. It needed to be that Samuel could say to Israel, all of Israel, hey, this is what's happening. This is what's going on. But then, in particular... We're going to look back at something, but in Romans 9, 15, and 17, you have to understand God's glory is not something to be trifled with. For he said to Moses, I will have mercy on whom I will mercy. I will have compassion on whom I have compassion. So then it is not of him that willeth, nor of him that runneth, but of God that showeth mercy. Guys, listen, just in verse 16 alone, who, hey, that's great. There are a lot of tall, handsome dudes that have walked the earth that didn't get to be king of anything. So it is special 
that the Lord chose this man and said, hey, son, I'm giving you an opportunity. Verse 17, for the scripture saith unto Pharaoh, even for the same purpose have I raised thee up that I might show my power in thee and that my name might be declared throughout all the earth. So let's look back so you can see in this other way that really, you know, we didn't, we didn't look at, but I just wanted to kind of point to. Those are in verses 8 through 13 of chapter 10. And now shall go down before me to Gilgal, and behold, I will come down unto thee to offer burnt offerings and to sacrifice sacrifices of peace offerings. Seven days shalt thou tarry till I come, unto, come to thee and show thee what thou shalt do. And it was so that when he turned his back to go from Samuel, <clears throat> God gave him another heart, and all those signs came to pass that day. And when they came thither to the hill, behold, a company of prophets met him, and the Spirit of God came upon him, and he prophesied among them. And it came to pass when all that knew him before, before time, saw that, behold, he prophesied among the prophets. Then the people said one to another, what is this that this has come upon the son of Kish? Is Saul also among the prophets? I mean, it's like, wait a minute, who is this cat? We know his daddy. That's not, mm-mm. <laughs> I'm, I'm thrown off right now. Verse 12, and one of the same place answered said, but who is their father? Therefore, it became a proverb. Is Saul also among the prophets? And when he had made an end of prophesying, he came to the high place. See, the thing, like we said in our key point, that accountability to God's word will reveal God's presence and leading. The thing is, is don't you want that in your life? That is a direct assault to your own personal glory. You realize that, right? See, when you decide to be accountable to God's word, then what you do is put yourself in lockstep now to be one that can highlight God's glory in your life. Because people ought to look back at you and go, you are, you are different. I love it, you know, those opportunities you may have with those childhood friends or even family members that see you coming up and they know, I mean, you were a pain. And now, man, you're a blessing. You know the gospel. You can share the gospel. See, the thing is, it's got to work out to God's glory. Accountability is about that. What we've reduced accountability in church to is that you're trying to be in my business. No, first and foremost, it's about God's glory. Because perhaps the things that you are thinking and doing in your life are not uh, communicating that. They're communicating something else. It's to your glory. And that's sad. And now, guys, I, let me just say, I, I, even, I just had to write it just so I could. <laughs> we got to skip to chapter 15, okay? That's where I really want to spend the bulk of my time. Please, listen, please. Make sure you read 8 through 15, just so you can see your, for yourself this compelling story. In 15, we're going to see an opportunity for Saul to be right with God after a warning. But in verse 12, Saul is confirmed king, and also in that chapter, uh, uh, excuse me, that's also a, a warning that is given by Samuel to the people. In that chapter, verse um, chapter 13, you're going to see war with the Philistines. Remember, that's what God wanted him to do, is deal with that. War ensues. Then you find in uh, chapter 14, Jonathan, Saul's son, has victory. 
But because of a wicked decree that Saul has, man, he is at odds with his father to the point that his father is saying, I should kill my son because he broke this decree. So this is, this is compelling stuff. I'm just giving you the trailer. You got to go back and read it for yourself. It's fantastic, okay? Fantastic. But where we want to spend time at is moving this down because I don't want to hear that anymore. Okay. <laughs> it's uh, verse, or chapter 15. So in 14, remember, it's like I said, there's this deal that shows up with Jonathan, his son. He's a warrior, wants to obey. There's a little situation. Guy was hungry, man. He dipped his staff in to get some honey, ate some honey, and everybody was like, oh, your dad said don't do that, <laughs> you know? And, uh, well, I mean, he stuck. He owned it, man. He did something that his dad struggled to do at times, which was own his fault. If previously we saw God's glory is on display when we are accountable to God's word, what happens when we're outside of God's word? Because see, now the issue is this. Do I get an opportunity to flip the script? Or is it just a judgment sentence and it's game over? Sorry, move on to the next person. Well, let's see what the Bible says. Benefit number two. Holding someone accountable should provide an opportunity for correction. Verse one, Samuel also said unto Saul, this is after this decree. Do you think that the man of God heard about this foolishness that Saul is doing in this kingdom? Absolutely. This is why he's showing up. Samuel also said unto Saul, the Lord sent me to anoint thee to be king over his people, over Israel. Now, therefore, hearken thou unto the voice of the words of the Lord. That second benefit, holding someone accountable should provide an opportunity for correction. Listen, why is that? Because God desires for you to live in peace with him. That's why. See, I don't ever want you to think that the accountability that you maybe wrestle with in not just in this place, but just overall. Is something that is against you. God wants you and him to be at peace. And so. When somebody is holding you accountable and maybe highlighting some areas that, that need to be addressed, don't, don't feel like it's finger pointing. Man, this is an opportunity for you to be right with the Lord. Notice how God is using Samuel here. Verse, verses two and three. And again, to leadership. Especially on the parent side. This is the thing that you have to masterfully learn to do is always, even in correction, know or communicate to your children that you have their heart. They got to know that you love them. If they think you hate them, man, that sends them into a tailspin. And the one thing with kids that's really bad when you think they hate them once it turns into isolation, the enemy takes note of it. The friends that now they listen to become those that give them counsel. And you're on the outside looking in. Then they move. Then they destroy their lives. And the whole thing is just for you to watch. You have to, have to. Make sure that people understand, I love you. This is why I'm mentioning these things to you. I don't want you to just stay in this spot. It's not pleasurable for God or Samuel 
Because you're going to see in this chapter, man, Samuel, he's got a heart for Saul. He is broken for Saul. So, man, when God says, hey, go tell my son that <laughs> we, we got some things we need to get right. Man, yes. So listen, if leadership is doing that and you having an uncomfortable conversation, know that if, if it's me, I've been begging God for how that conversation is going to go. I tremble at it because the one thing that I don't ever want you to ever feel like is I'm, I'm, I hate you, that I don't want you. But I tell you what I don't want. I don't want whatever it is that is troubling your life. Man, I'm begging God, give me the words, give me the wisdom, give me the timing. Sometimes, y'all, I wait, and I will go through my other leaders to do it. But sometimes it's got to be me. So listen, just don't, don't freak out, okay? I'm, God is just sending me a message. I, I got to talk to you. If you're pastors, if it's Pastor James, wh whomever. So you look at, look at verses 2 and 3. In verse 2, it says, <clears throat> thus saith the Lord of hosts. I like again what Samuel does so good is, is he's not using his words. He's just saying, listen, man, I'm going to repeat to you exactly what God said himself. Thus saith the Lord of hosts. I remember that which Amalek did to Israel, how he laid wait for him in the way when he came up from Egypt. Now, listen, here's the instruction. Here's the opportunity. Verse 3. Now go and smite Amalek and listen, let's be very clear what it says and utterly destroy all that they have and spare them not, but slay both man and woman, infant and suckling, ox and sheep, camel and ass. Okay, <laughs> I'm being facetious here. Um, should anything be alive when they leave this area? according to this instruction. Nothing, right? Okay, so we all agree. We know the commandment. We got it. Okay. Verse 4, And Saul gathered the people together and numbered them in, in, in Telium, 200,000 footmen, 10,000 men of Judah. And Saul came to a city of Amalek and laid wait in the valley. And Saul said unto the Kenites, Go depart, get you down from among the Amalekites, lest I destroy you with them, for ye show kindness to all the children of Israel. When they come up out of Egypt, so the Canaanites departed from those Amalekites, so they're by themselves. And Saul smote the Amalekites from Havilah unto uh, comest to Shur, that is over against Egypt. And he took Agag, the king of the Amalekites, alive. Are we in, are we in error right now? Yes. And he took the king of the Amalekites alive and utterly destroyed all the people with the edge of the sword. But Saul and the people spared Agag, listen, and the best of the sheep and of the oxen and of the fatlings and the lambs and all that was good and would not utterly destroy them. But everything that was vile and refused, that they destroy utterly. Lord have mercy. Are we in error of verse 3? Didn't he say, didn't? Now, we, I asked y'all, I asked y'all. We are witness against Saul today. The Lord said everything. I mean, he got specific, right? He mentioned the animals, the kids, the, the women, the men, everybody. And we see right here that it happened. Okay, listen. 
We're going to come back to that. But there's just another thing that I want to point out for my leaders, man, and for parents. And just in terms of what you're doing, just to give you some handles on this life that you now have, raising these. And remember what we're trying to do, right? We want to see God consecrate our little houses so that we have generations that will do the same, right? So our disciples, our children, all of that. Key people of which I already identified you from big cuz all the way to mom, dad, pastors, <laughs> Bible study leaders, disciple makers, all of that. OK, key people should give instruction that is straight from God's word in order that those that are out of bounds know what to do next. That is how you counsel. I don't want to hear your thoughts on the matter. Tell me what the word of God says I should do next. OK, that's how that's got to go. If I cannot back up the counsel I'm giving to you with the word of God, man, I, what I'm about to do is make you have to uh, uh, appeal and please me, not the Lord. It's not about me. Listen, if you're good with God, I'm, we are good. We are golden. Listen, leaders. It's important that leaders of any kind, whether you are a pastor or all the way down, of any kind, lead people back to God. If you are one of God's key people, that's the goal. The parenting, that's the goal. It's not because, you, because I said so. We really should probably get out of that. Because I said so business. Man, establish something with your children so that they understand the greater gravity that's in place. What you are doing, son or daughter, is an offense to the Lord himself. This is why you must obey. Show them in Scripture what it says. Show them in Scripture. You are shortening your life by your disobedience. No, we just get mad and the bell starts flying and then, you know, then we brag about it to our friends. I wore his soul out. Where are they now? Please. All, all of our leaders, lead people back to God. Why? Because God's people are just that. His people don't lord over God's heritage. You want to be very careful about doing that. And so now, let's catch back up in the text here where we are at verse 9. And we've seen already that Saul is out of bounds. And obviously, because the Lord desires for Saul and him to be at peace, well, this next phase of accountability is going to show up here. So let's catch it. Verse 10. Then came the word of the Lord unto Samuel, saying, this breaks my heart to even read it. It repenteth me that I have set up Saul to be king, for he is turned back from following me and hath not performed my commandments. And it grieved Samuel, and he cried unto the Lord all night, y'all. Like this, like, okay, sometimes y'all think when, when, it, when, when discipline, okay, we've done counsel, we, I mean, we've sent rescue missions out to try to rescue you from this poor choice that you're about to make or whatever the case may be. And now, let's say, God forbid, it, it leads to the point of discipline and now you're away. 
And it's as if the people sometimes think of our of our leaders and pastors as if they are flippant about that choice. They have cried tears over this matter. You must understand and listen. I, OK, uh, I'm just going to say you're not parenting right if you're not your heart's not broken for the foolishness out of your children. It should bring you to tears. You know why? Because that will force you on your knees. And the Lord will use that very much in your life in order to make sure your heart is right. So if you are just like, well, go ahead. Man, that is a horrible heart to have. That was, you better thank God that was never his heart for you. Because you'd be dying and going to hell. Guys, we got to be broken over disobedience to God. I love that it just reminds us in terms of Samuel's heart. Just in case you were ever wondering where he landed, this guy is broken. And in verse 12, it says, And when Samuel rose early to meet Saul in the morning, it was told Samuel, saying, Saul came to Carmel, and behold, he sent up, he set up a place, and has gone about and passed on and gone down to Gilgah. It's interesting. Remember, Gilgah before was the place where he was anointed to be king. And now this is the place that he's going to hear some very horrible words. And Samuel came to Saul and Saul said unto him, blessed be thou the Lord. I have performed the commandment of the Lord, man. I, I love the clarity of that statement because the clarity of that statement just says, listen, this isn't about me. Some lording over you. And now I'm going to set you straight. No, man. No, man. Listen, I'm just I'm doing what I've, I've been told. Why? Because even though you out of bounds, brother, I'm trying to model being in bounds. So li listen, leaders of all kinds, it is absolutely your responsibility to warn those around you. Those that don't know, those that act like they don't want to know, you must warn them. You don't just let people drive off a cliff. This is really the baseline for the heart for the lost because they are set in motion in a vehicle with the gas pedal all the way down for a cliff. And a little bit, believers just get out of the way and just let it happen. I have performed the commandment of the Lord. Verse 14, and Samuel said, what meaneth then this bleeding of the sheep in mine ears and the lowing of the oxen which I hear? And Saul said, they have brought them from the Amalekites, for the people spared the best of the sheep and of the oxen to sacrifice unto the Lord thy God. Son, what are you even saying right now? And the rest we have utterly destroyed. Then Samuel said unto Saul, stay and I will tell thee what the Lord has said to me this night. And he said unto him, say on. And Samuel said, <clears throat> when thou was little in thine own sight. Remember that all the way back. Chapter nine, when you was like, man, little me, little, little Benjamite. Who are we? Who am I? Was thou not made the head of the tribes of Israel? And the Lord anointed thee king over Israel. And the Lord set thee, sent thee on a journey and said, go and utterly destroy the sinners the Amalekites, and fight against them until they be consumed. Wherefore then 
Didst thou not obey the voice of the Lord, but didst fly upon the spoil and didst evil in the sight of the Lord? And Saul said unto Samuel, Yea, I have obeyed the voice of the Lord, and have gone the way which the Lord sent me, and have brought Ahag the king of Amalek, and have utterly destroyed the Amalekites. We need to stop right here. Listen, leaders, good leaders own their mistakes. And what you are about to hear my brother say here, not good, man. Verse 20, let's start there again. Listen carefully. And Saul said unto Samuel, Yea, I have obeyed the voice of the Lord, and have gone the way which the Lord sent me, and have brought Agag, the king of Amalek, and have utterly destroyed the Amalekites. Listen, 21. But the people took of the spoil sheep and oxen, the chief of the things which should have been utterly destroyed to sacrifice unto the Lord thy God and Gilgah. Wow. So now, I mean, you know. Here's, here comes that city bus. I'm just going to push you right underneath it. Good leaders own their mistakes. Parents, it's, it doesn't disrupt your parenting if you have to sometimes say you're sorry. That I may have mishandled this. I may, I'm sorry if, you're, if somehow that you, I, in communicating this truth, that it, I, I, I hurt you. That wasn't the goal. I'm sorry. I love you. Man, it's, I, I don't know. Rashad, I don't, there's not a lot of sorries that we heard <laughs> growing up. <laughs> but, man, <laughs> but you know what? Hey, that's okay. I don't need to be in counseling blaming them for the life that I have now. Okay, it's all good. It's fine. So you know what? Because now I get to read scripture and, and, and sort this out and now tell you and warn you. Say, hey, parents, listen. Say you're sorry when you need to. Okay? Say you're sorry when you need to. Leaders, say you're sorry when you need to. When you blow it, say, just own it. Benefit number three. Benefit number three. Biblical accountability makes us responsible for our actions. That is a benefit. Why is that? Because God protects those around us by forcing us to examine our faults. You got to own it. It's, listen, unfortunately, the culture that we're in now is basically just saying it's everybody else's fault. You know, I jokingly just said, like, oh, let's start with mama, and then it's my boss, and then it's my wife or husband, and then it's my kids, and it's never my fault, and so I'm just a victim. Man, listen. The only victim was Jesus Christ. He's the only one that didn't deserve to be in the spot that he was in. And you know what? He gladly did it. So he didn't even embrace that. Listen, you can win in this life, but you have to shed the mantle of victimhood. Stop wearing that cloak. The Lord gave you clothes to put on. Put those on. Again, in 22 and 23, and Samuel had the, Lord as, had the Lord as great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices, as in obeying the voice of the Lord. Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice, and to hearken than the fat of rams. And boy, this one right here, just a punch in the gut. For rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft, 
and stubbornness as iniquity and idolatry because thou has rejected the word of the Lord. He hath also rejected thee from being king. Standing in the place that you were anointed king. Now you just got told you are out of it. I can't imagine what his heart did. Other than sink to his stomach, turn white, just like, what are you even saying to me right now? I mean, just the prominence of being king, the embarrassment it would be in front of all of Israel. Like, all of that is now on my shoulders. And I love, man, just from a real matter-of-fact way that Samuel just made sure, no, you wear that because you lead this people. You're the captain of this people. This is your fault. Verse 24 through 29. And Saul said unto Samuel, I have sinned. Praise the Lord, man. Right response. For I have transgressed the commandment of the Lord and thy words, because I feared the people and obeyed their voice. Now, therefore, I pray thee, pardon my sin and turn again with me that I may worship the Lord. And Samuel said unto Saul, I will not return with thee, for thou hast rejected the word of the Lord, and the Lord hath rejected thee from being king over Israel. And as Samuel turned about to go away, he laid hold upon the skirt of his mantle, and it rent. And Samuel said unto him, The Lord hath rent the kingdom of Israel from thee this day, and hath given it to a neighbor of thine that is better than thou. Verse 29. And also the strength of Israel will not lie, nor repent, for he is not a man that he should repent. Capital S, that is talking about God the Father, the strength of Israel. Benefit number four. Biblical accountability should turn us back to worship God. See, it may be that we found out all of these other things. We've discovered, man, I, it really should be about God's glory. That helps lay a framework for my mind in terms of how I'm going to be accountable, that really the Lord will use me in whatever way he wants, and, and I'll be able to be a, a servant that is, man, uh, made of gold, and I could share the gospel, I could make disciples, I could lead Bible study, I could whatever, all of these beautiful things, right? We see the, the, the other benefits that, that come with, man, it, it gives me a chance to correct. When I get out of line, I can, it's not over. I can, I can repent and get back. Man, it, it makes me responsible for my actions, and so I just have to come to God. God absolutely creates a space that says, hey, just own it. It's fine, because I love you. Just own it. Okay. Man, there's a lot of safety in that, because you know it's not, it's not over for you. But on this last one, I think if we have a wrong view and we don't see accountability as a benefit, this is the one we never come to, is the fact to worship because you just get offended from one, two, and three. You never get back to worship. Verse 30, 31. Then he said, I have sinned, yet honor me now, I pray thee, before the elders of my people and before Israel, and turn again with me that I may worship the Lord thy God. So Samuel turned again after Saul, and Saul worshiped the Lord. 
And so listen, and just in conclusion, man, fear not. These benefits may seem frightening to you, but rest assured, God loves you and wants the best for you. So if there's something in your mind that you're thinking of that you're like, man, I, I need to own that with the Lord. My simple counsel to you is this, repent. Just repent. Don't stay at odds with God's people or your heavenly father. If there's some matter of words that have passed and now there's you and a leader that are out of bounds and man, take the first step. Man, it's so hard for us to do that. But do that. You want to take a step in, to, to make things right so that you will just see God's glory again show up. In James 5, 15 through 16, it says this. And the prayer of faith shall save the sick and the Lord shall raise him up. And if he have committed sins, they shall be forgiven him. Then I love this. Confess your faults one to another. And pray one for another that ye may be healed. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. And so I'm saying this to say this to you. You need to have people that can hold you accountable. And you know what? I'm, I'm, if, if you're in faith fellowship in a perfect world, uh, it would be my heart absolutely that I was that individual. But I understand that sometimes I'm kind of like dad and people are like, I don't want to talk to dad. So... <laughs> but can you talk to your Bible study leader? Can you talk to the discipler? Maybe Pastor James is, is a better fit for you. Of our ladies, you know, of, of the various women of God that are in this place, the leaders of our Bible studies. Man, can you talk to one of those ladies? Can you just be accountable in such a way that it has an impact on your life? Because listen, for me, this is our heart. I don't want you to miss out on being able to reflect God's glory to those that need it. And if you avoid it, like it's like people just trying to tell you what to do. I told you, I gave you the parameters. If you, if you have issue, you have fault, let me know. Maybe it's something that there's some correction that needs to happen on their end. But ultimately, man, it's got to come from God's word if we're going to give counsel. Okay, so if they can back it up in scripture, you may not like it, but you probably want to set on it a little bit. Don't just throw it out. Don't just reject it. Find that individual that can hold you accountable. And if it is me, man, I'm not going to duck from that responsibility. Why? Because I love y'all and this is my fellowship. But you are God's people. And I will lead you. I will father you as much as you allow me. Okay, so I wanted to actually just the rest of the time we have, we got a short window. Individually, Individually, I just want all of us to just get into a place of prayer that just says that just has a real honest conversation with the Lord. Perhaps it is that there is something that you maybe you need to ask him, Lord, is there is there some fault that I'm 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 not aware of? Is there something that I'm not accountable to your word and I'm just living the Christian life? I'm here on Tuesday. I'm here on Sunday. I'm here in Bible study. But my heart is still out in left field somewhere. OK. Can we just pray and then I will you will hear my voice. And I will close us and then we'll be dismissed for the day. I love you guys. Heavenly Father. Um, Lord, you you see us, you see our hearts and Lord, we are having conversation with you that Lord, that may be a little uncomfortable for us. Um, 
But Lord, what a sweet moment it would be, Lord, if we if we were just honest with you about where we are in our walk. And Lord, I, I pray that <clears throat> just even as I'm speaking, Father, would you just remind your children here of your love, of the sacrifice, in order that all of us could have uh, a walk with you presently and then spend eternity with you. Father, there's, there's no wickedness um, from you towards us. And yet, Lord, sometimes we do tremble at the idea of being held accountable to your word. And so, Father, would you just help us to navigate the space? Lord, we may not have been taught and it may not have been welcomed in our families to, to be vulnerable in that kind of way. And, and Lord, we shouldn't, we shouldn't just be vulnerable with any and everybody, but Lord, give us wisdom on who those individuals are that can hold us accountable and ask us the hard questions or just even just say difficult things and that we don't, we've already qualified that truth with love. That it doesn't just automatically turn into rejection on our parts. Lord, help us to, to have des a desire to be unified with you and with this body. Lord, we thank you for the leadership we have Lord, we understand they're not perfect, and we do ask that all of our leadership, Lord, would be humbly submitted to you. And Lord, as there are leaders in this place of all levels, Lord, help us and forgive us of those times that we just lay waste to your heritage just with, with our anger and our frustration. And uh, help us, Lord, to be gentle, not striving, Lord, help us to point people back to you. Lord, help us to call people up to what the scripture says and let they have to decide that on their own. Lord, we thank you for the opportunities we have. Father, forgive us for those times that we have gotten in the way of your glory with our own. And Lord, always, please, I beg you, Lord, create within us a heart that wants, that desires to ask for forgiveness and then to turn to worship and not be sh in shame or hide. Lord, it's, it's okay. Tell your children, it's okay. It, no, none of us can be ashamed. We're all in the same boat. And we all need you. And so, Lord, we love you. We thank you. Lord, help us to just really set this on our heart. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.